And you are listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you heard right there from Japan, the King Brothers with The Machine from our brand new LP. Thank you, Ilka, for sending me the brand new King Brothers LP Wasteland. And today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Superorganism. Yes, an interview with Superorganism. And right now, I'm going to play something else that was sent to me by Ilka from Fly PR. Thank you. Here are well, actually, we're not going to get to that right off the bat. Right off the bat, continuing on the theme of related Ilka stuff, related stuff. Here is a Grave Digger 5 doing Be a Caveman. And, of course, Leighton from the Grave Digger 5 went on to the Morlocks. So we are going to hear some brand new Morlocks with You Don't Know. A cover of the 13th Floor Elevators. Thank you, Elka, for Fly PR for the vinyl. So right now, here is the original band that Leighton was in, the Grave Digger 5 with Bia Caveman on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And of course, we aren't hearing be a caveman. It must be kind of like a sign, a sign that we, um, oh, that's why we aren't hearing that. We are not hearing, it's a sign, it's a sign. It's a sign for me to grab the record and actually say what year it is from. It is from 1987, and we are going to hear right now, We're. Uh, you can hear the record stopping, we are going to hear be a caveman by the Grave Digger Five. And let me recue the record. And pretty much it's near where it should be. And here is the Grave Digger Five, warts and all with my terrible cueing on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard, right there, the King Brothers with Sympathy for the Devil on the Hound God record label distributed to me by Ilka. Thank you, Ilka, for mailing me that LP. And before that, another LP mailed to me by Ilka on the Hound God record label, The Morlocks, with You Don't Know, a 13th floor elevator cover. Brand new from The Morlocks. And to begin, Leighton from The Morlocks, his first band, The Grave Digger 5, with Be a Caveman, Not Cute Properly by me. And yes, you can join CITR Radio if you want, and you can become me. So if I did a terrible job queuing that, you can join CITR and do a terrible job or an amazing job. We don't care as long as you come in and become a DJ at CITR Radio. Coming up, an interview I did with Super Organism from London, England. But right now, here is Stu Davis with Dear Mr. Disc Jockey on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. There's a song of love that's going round that fits me to a T. So dear Mr. Disc Jockey, won't you play that record for me? It's a song of unrequited love and empty years to be. So dear Mr. Disc Jockey, won't you play that record for me? As I sit beside my radio With these memories I keep I want to hear that melody just once more Then I'll lay me down to weep It's so good to know That someone else has known my misery So dear Mr. Disc Jockey Won't you play that record for me? My love has flown And I'm alone I'm as blue as blue can be So dear Mr. Disc Jockey Won't you play that record for me I appreciate the sentiments Within that melody So dear Mr. Disc Jockey Won't you play that record for me Though it isn't on the hit parade, still it means so much to me. It seems to tell the story of my romance and the fool I used to be. Now perhaps the one who wrote this song was 
was once a fool, you see. So, dear Mr. Disc Jockey, won't you play that record for me?
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there, Charlie Brown with the Red Baron. And before that, Stu Davis with Dear Mr. Disc Jockey. Right now, to prepare you for my interview with Super Organism, here is some actual Super Organism on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Good morning, or no. You are awake. The weather today is dark. They were so tricky. Yes, I'm playing off SoundCloud. And what I didn't realize was that was only a sample. 30 seconds of the song by Superorganism that I wanted to play. But if I scroll down there, SoundCloud, I see an original version of It's All Good that I will play right now that is not a sample. So here again is... Super organism on CIT. Uh, oh, and then I, I I must figure out how to stop that. Oh, and then start it. Good morning, Orino. You are awake. The weather today is dark.
not sure. Hold up. are you? I'm Orno from Super Organism. And Orno, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you, sir. And who do you have beside you? This is B. Hey, Nadwa. <laughs> this is Ruby. Hi, Nadwa. This is Sol. Hello, Nadwa. <laughs> and together you are? Super And right off the bat, Orno, I have a gift for you. A Scooby-Doo record Whoa. from 1978. How'd you do that? You love Scooby-Doo, don't you? Uh, yeah, I think, is it because of the shirt I wear all the time? Exactly. <laughs> I actually stole that from my mother. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had it in college, I think. Maybe she got it from my dad, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's a cool shirt. Also, I was curious, thank you the Rugrats, right? Well, we love Rugrats music as well. Yeah. Like, that's, that makes the Rugrats for me, the music. Mark Mother's bow. But I find it really confusing when I think about Super Organism. What exactly is this record right here, this CD? If we look at it right now, it is the Eversons and Super Organism present the Emily's Super Awesome Cartoon Band. What is going on there? This was um, another band before Superorganism. So none of us were actually in this band, but some members of Superorganism were in this band. And this this is a little EP. Yeah. And what I find is really interesting, super awesome cartoon band. So the Emily's turned into Superorganism, and Superorganism have Emily in Superorganism. What is the world? Yeah. It's so confused. What is the background on this CD? Like, really, what is going on here? I mean, I think Emily had something to do with it. Uh, He was really bored. Right? Yeah. And then this. And then learnt Japanese. They're pretty bad. So it went from the Eversons to the Emilys to Super Organism? Yeah, and there's a few other bands mixed up in there too, I guess. Who are the other bands? A band called Sherpa. Am I allowed to bring that up? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I play in a band called Sherpa. Yeah. We were... All right. No, they were amazing. Amazing. Went to lots of their shows when I was younger. What about Ian and Rebecca? Whoa. I don't know. Yeah, Ian and Rebecca had uh, contributed to the Emily's. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Mystical lumpiness. Why'd you? Oh my God, that's so cringy. How do you know about that? Well, you are a super organism. We have to know. 
That's so Nardwar of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like one of my mer- many usernames online back in the day. Mystic Rhymes? Yep. Uh, well, the lumpiness one was because I was into Adventure Time, and then Grimes was because I was into Grimes at that point. And thank you, Princess Chelsea. Thank you, Princess Chelsea. Yeah. Princess Chelsea. I met her for the first time ever, um, like quite last recently. Week. Yeah. Yeah. I just I got uh, I got pretty drunk also, um, <laughs> and I kept yelling at her how much I love her. What can you say about Princess Chelsea, Little Chief Records? Um, well, I found them randomly on YouTube, and then that led me to finding some of the other guys in the band on YouTube. Um, so I owe a lot to her, and I learned a lot about arpeggiators from her. It's so interesting, the history of superorganism, isn't it? I, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really kind of confused. I mean, you have the Emilies. The Emilies. And then you also have this band. What exactly is going on here, B? That is you. This is so good. This is, wow. This was a summer holiday in New Zealand. This, is, this was taken in Tolaga Bay. Uh, everyone should go and visit there if they haven't. Um, and, and this is Harry from Superorganism. And these are some other of our best friends who we miss very much because they're still in New Zealand and we are not. And yeah, this was, we found a boogie board, we found a watermelon. It looks like a band. It looks be a band. If that is not super organism, is it? No. And I mean, all of these guys can play music, so we could have done that. And actually, I have a gift for you, B, right here. A razor cake fanzine with an extensive interview with Kathleen. Hannah. Hannah. Cool, she's so cool. As well, I also have another t-shirt related gift for you, a Pavement LP. Stay on it. The secret history of Pavement. Oh. Because B wears a... Pavement shirt. And actually, I have a gift for you, Soul, an original Beach Boys Canadian issue 1966 version of God Only Knows. You love that record, don't you? This is one of the greatest love songs of all time. And that is an original from 1966 wow. on a Canadian label, too. Wow, thank you so much. This is so good. Wow, What's we. It's got on the other side. It's got Wouldn't It Be Nice, oh. which uh, is quite a, a popular song in New Zealand. Or oh, I heard it for the first time in a Cadbury chocolate, and they change all the lyrics to suit chocolate. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. And you were the Vibe Master. Vibe Master, that's me. Yeah. My master 3000? Oh, 3000. I've forgotten my own title. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Um, 3000. Yeah, he is 3000. I got it from uh, Andre 3000, so it's not very original. <laughs> Quote, I'm sorry to hear you got burnout. Hope you can find the way to work. What? Film is your? Film is my friend. Film is my friend. Whoa, okay, well, there's a song I wrote for a girl on Tinder. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, okay, you've been there. Is this part of your <laughs> matchbox? Yeah, I did a group of songs for a bunch of girls on Tinder. It is not a way to actually go on dates. Aww. should make you aware. Yeah, but he are. learned his lesson. Right? Yeah. People, like, I don't, I don't think people can understand the... Uh, you know, getting a song from someone, even if it's really nice, it's like a little bit weird, I found. It was very thoughtful of mm-hmm. you. But the songs are good. I think the songs were okay. 
And you also, you guys play water. Oh yeah, we we do play water because we have lots of songs that are about the ocean or water. So what's it like playing water? Wet, <laughs> bubbly, uh, splashy. splashy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, when you joined the band, Orno, did you know that they played water? Uh, no, I did not. I found out it was a very special talent that these guys have that drew me to them. <laughs> yeah, I love you guys. Sage Neptune. Why do you know about Sage Neptune? That's so weird. What? Do you remember? No. I had a, my school yearbooks, and I was showing <gasps> the yearbooks over Skype, and then they were like, whoa, check out Sage Neptune. Poor Sage Neptune. I mean, it, he, is, he is a cool guy. It was cool. He is a yeah. cool guy. I, I barely talked to him, but I think he's a cool guy, and I think he got best dressed. I feel like you have a wiretap inside our house. And I have a gift right now for Ruby. Oh, wow. What can you say about Ruby? Ruby has red hair. I have red hair. What can you say about Soul? Soul wears white and is my dad. <laughs> I'm her dad. What can you say about B? Uh, B's uh, my sister and she's white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> B, what can you say about Orno? Orno is short. Because she called me white. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true. <laughs> and so, what can you say about Orno? She has a very high IQ. Mm. Yeah, like 20? <laughs> <laughs> about 20. 69! And Ruby, what can you say about Orno? All I can say is that she's sassy. I am? She I is. Depends. She really likes RuPaul's Drag Race. That is true. And I have a gift right now for Ruby right here, a Sierra record. <laughs> wow. A 12-inch. She's crying. This, I'm <laughs> just later. With an instrumental on there as well for you guys to freestyle over. This is so great. I, Nadwa, I love you. Actually, wow. look at those eyes. What can you say about Sierra and super organism? I mean, I think we all like Sierra. I really like her. Uh, we talk about her fairly often, I reckon. She, she you talk her. about her. Yeah. I talk about her and um, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. Actually, she has this Mariah Carey shirt, and she was like, I have to post a picture of it on Instagram so that Nardwar will know that I love Mariah, so <laughs> he can bring me Mariah stuff, but... This is better, I'd say. Yeah, this is great. What can you say about the suburban lawns? I think I listened to these guys from an Ardwar interview, I think. Or maybe I'm wrong. Beth Ditto of The Gossip. That's amazing. I think so. She mentioned that band, Beth Ditto. I'm not quite, yeah, I think so. Or maybe it was YouTube. There was a connection. I actually looked them up and yeah, I like them. They're really cool. Thank you for spreading the gospel of suburban lawns. Oh, yeah, it was definitely you. Pointed Sticks and your favorite restaurant. I know where that is. The Tomahawk. Yeah. Thank you so much for shouting me out so many times. I really appreciate that. I'm going to cry. Mm, no, because I, f like, I love you, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. It's great. But I really appreciate the shout-outs that you give me. In fact, here is a shout-out right here from Time Out London, your dream festival partner. What did I say? Oh! Yeah, I said that. I said that? 
Yeah, you yeah. Somebody said it. I imagine it was you. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, I did say that. It, oh. And it's my first time getting in Time Out London. Thank you. You got me in there. You got Nardwar some press. You were, you were on this, so that's cool. And that is amazing. It was based on uh, the... The subhuman. Yes, but you wanted to do another one with the hand on the thing, and that was a pointed sticks cover, right? A pointed sticks cover. But they didn't let you do it. You know too much. <laughs> I love you. Uh, thank you again for the shout-out. Yeah. That is so nice. Well, it's genuine. Who's my favorite artist? Nardwar, the human serviette. <laughs> Thank you for even thinking of me, and thank you also for bringing that rare from 2004. How old were you in 2004? I was four years old. Shout out to Mike from The Straight for hooking me up with this. And I was going to say, the evaporators. I'm just kissing Nard Wars ass today. Because I love him. He's my favorite Canadian. Why should people care about superorganism? Why should people care? Because Nardwar is interviewing us. True story. Well, thank you very much, superorganism. Keep on rocking in a free world and do do loot do. Do do. Nardwar. Nardwar. Yeah. Yeah.
listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, super organism with nobody cares. And before that, an interview with super organism. And before that, super organism with it's all good on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. I thought right now I would play this Bob Hope record I have, track number three on the second side, which is December the 25th, and it's Bob Hope and Jill St. John live entertaining the troops in the 1960s, recorded during actual performances at U.S. military bases in Thailand, Guam, Okinawa, Vietnam, etc. It's great that other people get etc. Thank you. And this goes out to the etc. people. So this is Bob Hope and Jill St. John on December the 25th, 1964 on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Christmas Day, 1964. And there's a special gift-wrapped present for the flight detachment at Tan Son Nhut, Vietnam. A very pretty package named Jill St. John. Roll cameras. Market. The head cinematographer just using the clapper. K-8. <laughs> Here's a gal who in the last couple of years has become Hollywood's brightest young star. A rare combination of beauty, brains, and talent. The nicest thing I could bring him is Jill St. John, right here. introduction. Well, what did you have to mention my brain for? Well, don't worry. They'll never notice it. <laughs> you really have an IQ of 162? That's a coincidence, because that's my golf score. <laughs> no, that's pretty high for a girl, isn't it? Oh, being a girl doesn't make any difference. <laughs> it doesn't? <laughs> Should we tell her? <laughs> 162, that makes you a genius, doesn't it? Oh, that's what they say. Well, that's good. These guys have a question that only a genius can answer. Really? Yeah, what are they doing here? 
But I know, honey, that you're getting a thrill out of the reception you receive. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about working out in front of all these guys? Well, now I know how Clyde Beatty feels when he drops his chair. <laughs> you can relax, they've been fed. Say, uh... enjoying the trip so far. Well, it's all so exciting. I don't know what to look at first. Well, these guys are having the same problem. <laughs> this is a very important base, isn't it, Bob? Yes, it is important. Why? What makes you ask? Well, the MP searched me 12 times today. <laughs> what do you suppose they were looking for? Well, I can't imagine. <laughs> you certainly aren't hiding anything. That's what I told them. And what happened? They searched me again. <laughs> well, some of them are a little overtrained, I must admit. Well, they're awfully nice boys, but I can't understand why they haven't shown me any of the installations here. <laughs> well, they're too busy looking at yours, right? <laughs> They'll get around all that. But you know, Jill, I'm thrilled because in your last three pictures, you appeared at the world swinging as cats, Robert Goulet, Frank Sinatra, and Dean Martin, and now you're with me. <laughs> well, I needed a rest. She's like the Kong, one minute smiling, the next minute she's got a hand grenade in your pocket. <laughs> Tell us about your career, Jill. How did you get started? Well, my first job was in radio when I was only five years old. I played one of the many children on a show called One Man's Family. Oh, I remember that show. They were doing Bing's life and didn't know it. <laughs> For you younger fellows, One Man's Family was sort of a Saratan Peyton place. <laughs> And when did you do your first TV show? Oh, I was a little girl. That was way back in 1948. 1948. Wagon train hadn't left New York yet. <laughs> and these fellas had just arrived here on temporary duty. What were you doing when you were five years old, Bob? Trying to get to six. <laughs> my mother hadn't cut off my curls. I'd never have made it. Well, when did you start acting? <laughs> Judging by the critics, I haven't yet. <laughs> Well, I think you're a great artist. You've got talent you haven't found yet. I have, huh? Well, don't just stand there. Help me look. <laughs> Jill, one thing puzzles me about you. How is it a bright young girl like you is always playing dumb redheads in the movies? Isn't it ridiculous? Well, you're still playing romantic leads, aren't you? <laughs> when she throws your curve, she doesn't miss it. Oh. <laughs> now, I think it's wonderful to have you, and I want to give you all the attention that you, you desire. And if you, uh... Thank you, I think. One meaning to a joke. <laughs> now, how about me taking you home after the show? Uh-uh. My mother warned me about you. Your mother warned you about me? What does your mother know about me? You took her home once. <laughs> I started very young, you know. You know, last night the most terrible thing happened. Well, congratulations. Bob. <laughs> About four o'clock in the morning, a man knocked on my door and wouldn't stop. And he came back five times. Six. <laughs> Thank you.
you're still listening to the Nardwar, I hope. It's human, the Serviette radio show. And if you're wondering what was going on, why was there a harp? Why is there this noise? Well, this actually comes from a bottom end musical bass and transient test record. Yes, I am playing a test record for you in Radioland. So you would bo- Oh, and now I noticed this should be actually at 45 RPM. So I've been playing this for you actually at the wrong speed all this time. It actually should have been, but now it's finished, but oh, there's me sliding across the, um, it should have been that speed for the harp. No wonder it sounded kind of, well, different, but if you're wondering, that actually was the bottom end musical bass and transient test record. And that's what I was playing right then and there at the wrong speed. So that was at 33 RPM instead of actually at 45 RPM. And you would buy this record and take it home and then test your stereo out. And um, you probably thought your stereo was shot because you played it at the wrong speed. You didn't play it at 45 RPM. And before Actually, we played some more kind of easy listening. And this is from 1966. And this is the Hotline for Sound record. Musical explorations in beats, bongos, and Bob's Bob and Phil and the orchestra. And we heard right there, Out of Nowhere from 1966 for Hotline for Sound. And this is on the Enoch Light record label. And Enoch Light did a lot of easy listening. Of course, there are a couple Beatles numbers turn into easy listening numbers for you to listen to. So that's kind of what you've been experiencing right now. And to begin right off the top, we heard Bob Hope. Bob Hope recorded during actual performances at U.S. military bases in Thailand, Guam, Okinawa, Vietnam, etc. I really feel bad for the etc. But you heard right there from December the 25th, Bob Hope and Jill St. John. Right now, I'm going to play a record for you. And it's kind of going to be hard because I guess you don't have the booklet that goes with this record. But maybe you can listen. Everything you've always wanted to know about computers. And this is on the Nardwar, the, the human serviette radio show. A trip to the moon made possible by computer technology, the same technology that guides our spacecraft to the outer edges of our solar system and beyond. So, welcome to the computer age. Welcome to the 21st century. What? It's here already? Wow, I must have overslept. <laughs> well, no, Jane, but computers have accelerated scientific progress to the point that if you blink an eye a little too long, you may be missing out on something. And at the rate we're moving ahead, century 21 is coming up fast, and we'd better be ready. Because from all indications, it's going to be a computerized world out there. You mean everyone 
is going to be using computers, hmm? But I thought that most computers were huge, expensive, complicated machines run by PhDs in white coats. Yeah, well, that's all changed due to truly great technological advances in the past few years. Today's personal microcomputer is no larger than a small appliance. Hmm. And you definitely do not need a doctor's degree in science or math to operate one. Good. But you may still wear a pretty white coat if you wish. <laughs> Just think, Steve. Eighty years ago, families were just getting used to the home telephone. And you know, it was only about 50 years ago that the electric refrigerator became widely used. Mm -hmm. And even 30 years ago, only about one family per block had a TV set. And now, you and now Jane, microcomputers are being used everywhere. Oh. In the home, a computer may be used to store and maintain household records, mm -hmm. keep track of banking and financial transactions, communicate with the world, tap vast sources of information, contribute immeasurably to educational activities, provide many intellectual challenges, and a great deal of family recreation and entertainment. Yeah. Some experts are even predicting that the home computer will eventually replace radio, TV, newspapers, and magazines. <gasps> it oh. will, in fact, be a real window on the world, an electronic communication center like nothing we've ever seen before. Wow. Oh, that is exciting. Well, I suppose it goes without saying that we should all start getting involved in the computer revolution. Yes, it goes without saying, all right, but we're going to say it anyway. <laughs> and that's the whole idea behind this recording. We want to make everyone aware that computers are already an important part of our lives now and will become increasingly more so with each passing day. Yes, and let's not forget the children, Steve, because the sooner kids get started in the world of computers, the more comfortable they'll be with them later on. Well, it's just like learning a language. It's easier if you start when you're young. Right. And this recording will teach you some of the basics of construction, operation, and programming of computers. It'll also cover some major points to consider when you decide to shop around for a home computer. Finally, we want to convince you that computers are not mysterious and forbidding. No. Anyone can learn to operate one, mm -hmm. can learn computer programming, and furthermore, this can be learned uh, at any age. Hmm. And in case anyone has any doubts about the importance of computers at the present time, just look around you. All banking is controlled by computers, and uh, businesses use them for everything from farming and food processing to tax records and traffic control. And right. Education has been streamlined by computers. Yeah. Doctors use them for the diagnosis and treatment of disease. Wars are fought with them. Graphics in print, motion pictures, and TV are now being created by computers. In fact, the newspaper you read and much of the mail you receive is produced by computers. Well, I'm sold, Steve. But now, let's begin by defining precisely what a computer is. A computer is essentially an electronic machine that can follow instructions, store and manipulate words and numbers, and make decisions based on the information and instructions it receives, and all in split seconds. Unbelievable. All computers, from the largest industrial type to the smallest microcomputer, have four distinct parts or sections, as you can see if you look at figure one in your instruction booklet. The first part is called the input section. Input section. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This provides for a number of different ways of feeding information into the computer. Such as? Well, a typewriter keyboard, a magnetic tape, such as the kind you use in cassette players, or a magnetic disk. Oh. Information that's fed into the computer goes into the memory section. Memory section. Yes, where it's stored until needed. 
When this information is recalled from memory, it goes to the central processing section. Central processing section. Well, now, that's obviously the brain of the computer, where the mathematical computations and word manipulations take place, right? Right. Now, as this processing of inputted information occurs, the results are sent back to the memory section to be stored until called for. Now, the last part of the computer is the output section. Output section. Mm -hmm. It consists of one or more ways of retrieving processed information, such as a TV screen for visual display, a printer for hard copy, or a magnetic tape or disk for mass storage of information. Now, Steve, we hear a lot about software and hardware, but it obviously doesn't refer to ladies' lingerie or um, things one buys in a hardware store, so what exactly does it mean? Well, the information that's fed into the computer in the form of programs and data uh -huh. is called software. Ah. The computer itself, as well as any add-on equipment, is called hardware. As they say in the business, if you can kick it, it's hardware. <laughs> now, computer software is available in the form of cassette tape, which is fed into the computer using a common cassette player, or programs may be obtained on a magnetic disk, which is, here's that word again, inputted into the computer by means of a more efficient and more expensive disk drive. Ah, I see. Well, now, Steve, there are some other computer terms that need explaining, such as RAM and byte. Have you ever been bitten by a RAM, Steve? <laughs> no, Jane, just by the computer bug. <laughs> now, RAM, R-A-M, mm. yeah. stands for Random Access Memory. Ah. It is the memory section that the user can control. Information stored in RAM is in memory, however, only as long as the power is on to the computer, you see? Now, the contents of RAM, again, which is Random Access Memory, the contents can be cleared, emptied, and changed at will. It's uh, like your food freezer, the contents of which are protected from loss only as long as the freezer is turned on. Mm -hmm. Now, just as you can buy a big freezer to store more food, you can enlarge the amount of RAM in your computer, mm -hmm. depending on your particular needs and the limitations of your budget. Ah. Okay. Now, what does the term byte mean? Well, byte, which is spelled B-Y-T-E, oh. a byte is a single character, letter, numeral, or even a blank space being stored in memory. Ah, wait a minute. So a phrase like big dog would use up six bytes, huh? Uh, no, Jane, seven. Because, Why? well, because of the space between oh. the two words, you see? I see, yeah. Anyway, RAM is measured in bytes. Now, one K of bytes is approximately a thousand bytes. You can buy a microcomputer that can store anywhere from 1K to 256K hmm. bytes. But you see, the more K of RAM, the more a computer will do, and the more it'll cost. Then we have the term ROM, R-O-M. Mm -hmm. That means read-only memory, which refers to the memory section which operates the computer, correct? Yeah, that's it, Jane. Thank you. ROM, <laughs> R-O-M, is available for use when the computer is turned on and is never lost or changed. It's similar to the operating system of your freezer. It's always there and ready to do its job every time the freezer is turned on. Now, when comparing computer capabilities, it's important to remember that the more ROM... Read-only memory. Mm -hmm, the more sophisticated the operating system and the more features available to the user. Now, it's entirely possible for a computer to have a large amount of ROM and little RAM. Hmm. 
This is uh, comparable to a small freezer with many features. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, now as a consumer, it's important to remember that all computers are expandable. This means that you can start with a small amount of RAM and add to it as your needs increase. It's also possible to add ROM, meaning more features, to most computers. Most arcade-type games are available as ROM cartridges. Right. These, you know, just plug in directly to the computer and take over as the exclusive operating system, which means when these cartridges are plugged in, the computer is a game machine only and cannot function in any other way as a computer. A very important factor to consider when purchasing a computer is its ability to be expanded in both RAM and ROM. That's right. Another aspect of the expandability of your computer is peripheral or add-on hardware. See figure two in the booklet. Now this includes such fascinating and useful gadgetry as the cassette player, disk drive, and printer. A device known as a modem, M-O-D-E-M, hooks up your computer to the telephone. This allows your computer to talk to other computers or draw upon information stored in huge computer data banks. It's like having a hotline to the public library. But don't forget the fun and games department, Steve. You can buy a joystick or game paddles fairly inexpensively for family fun. You might also want to invest in a light pen, which allows you to draw pictures directly on your computer's TV screen. You can also add a sound box, which is used to pick up and amplify programmed sound effects, music, and speech. There's one last little item, Jane, that makes all of this incredible activity happen. What's it's, that? It's called a chip or microprocessor chip. Chip? Mm-hmm. See figure three. Now, each of these remarkable little chips consists of millions of microscopic circuits and switches. The board inside the computer contains many of these chips, all hooked up in specialized groups to perform specific functions. For example, there are groups of chips for RAM, ROM, and processing. Now that we've covered the anatomy of the computer, Steve, we arrive at the really important part. Just exactly what can we do with a computer? Good question, Jane. I thought so, too. <laughs> I was also to ask it in case you forgot. Anyway, when you acquire a computer, you'll almost immediately begin searching for software, that is, programs already on tape or disk. This is important because a computer without software is like a camera without film. You'll be shopping around for programs on tape that you can load into your computer just as you would handle an audio tape and a cassette player. You'll also find programs on disks that are used very much like phonograph records. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget, Steve, that you don't have to buy all your software. You can join a club. Right. You can indeed, since there are many user groups and organizations that offer software in quantity at practically giveaway prices, sometimes just for the cost of a blank tape. And there's a wide range of software to choose from. You can get software to help you organize your entire household. Balance your checkbook, compute your income taxes, inventory your books and records, plan a diet, analyze your home heating usage, chart your investments, or even print out mailing labels for your Christmas cards. And if you want to turn homework into a really enjoyable exercise for your kids, there are plenty of programs dealing with math or languages that'll turn the study hall into a game room. Or a music room. You can obtain software that can turn the computer into an organ, and you can actually play melodies on the keyboard. Right. 
Or you can command the computer to create its own songs and play them for you. I think you're trying to put me out of business. <laughs> no, seriously, Steve. You can even get a program that makes your computer talk in any language. Wow, you can brush up on your Chinese. Yes, and these programs can even teach you to speak a foreign language. If you do a lot of typing, you can get rid of your old horse and buggy typewriter and get a word processing program for your computer. Add a printer and start to type the modern way with an ability to insert and delete words and letters, juggle sentences and paragraphs around, edit copy with the flick of a button, store what you've written on tape or disk, and print out as many copies as you need wow. when you need them. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And with a modem, you can hook up your computer to the telephone. And that means that you can communicate with computer services and data banks from which you can display and print out wire service news reports, stock market quotations, magazine and newspaper features, make instant hotel and airline reservations, and even do shopping in seconds. And instead of giving all their allowance money to the local arcade, your kids can play the latest video games at home. Mm. Since many of these games are available for microcomputers on uh, tape, disc, and ROM cartridges. These games are really challenging tests of skill and resourcefulness, and playing them actually develops excellent hand eye coordination in youngsters. You know, Steve, I think the best part is to learn to program the computer yourself. Because you can create and design your own games, as well as many other useful functions at home, office, or whatever. You don't have to know how to program the computer in order to be actively involved in all the marvelous things we've been talking about. But your ability to program will help open whole new vistas in your computer experience. Jane, we've now come to that uh, moment of truth. We've made a firm decision to buy a computer. Yeah. This is the time now to do some serious evaluation as to the important factors to consider when you begin comparison shopping. Yes, and the advice from most experts in the field is to start with a minimum system. You can always add components as you become more sophisticated in computer operation. You might, for example, start with a very basic computer with just a few K of RAM. Some computers of this type are available for as little as $100. However, since most software requires a minimum of 8K RAM, you would have to beef up your basic system almost immediately for it to be of any practical use. Low-price computers utilize a flat marked plastic sheet instead of a full-stroke typewriter keyboard. Although difficult to type on, they're designed to have individual keystrokes that substitute for full words which constitute the computer programming commands. One possible advantage to such a keyboard is that it's more immune to such things as spills and to key damage than the regular individual key types. Are you with me, Jane? Oh, all the way. <laughs> but, Steve, personally, I might prefer to spend, let's say, $200 and um, mm -hmm. get a computer with a regular typewriter keyboard and more RAM. This seems to me like a pretty good deal when you consider that prices for computers alone can run up to several thousands of dollars. These more expensive models, of course, have more RAM, more ROM, and greater expandability. Yep. Well, RAM, ROM, and expandability notwithstanding, one way or another, you've also got to have a TV display. You know, some computers come with the TV built in with a screen that uh, shows up in black and white or sometimes green and white. That's it? No lavender or hot pink? <laughs> I was hoping you'd ask that. As a matter of fact, a color computer connected to a color TV set produces some very spectacular effects, especially with games. Now, for computers with no built-in TV, it's common practice to just uh, hook it up to the antenna of your home TV set. 
A switch enables you to change from regular TV reception to computer display. The display aspect of your computer is very important since you're watching it constantly. But I've noticed that there's a wide range of differences in the resolution and the clarity of the display. By that I mean differences in such things as the realism of the graphics, legibility of print, size of letters on the screen, and the number of letters or characters displayed across one line of the screen. Yes. Most commonly, displays range from 22 characters per line to 64. If you're going to do a lot of word processing on your computer, it's highly desirable to acquire a display of 80 columns. Why? Well, because that's the same as a typewriter line, you see. Ah. Now, another thing you'll need is a way of storing and retrieving programs, such as a cassette player or disk drive. Some computers can use any type of cassette player, while others can only use that particular kind that's made by the computer manufacturer. Well, so much for the basic system. Now, all of the other peripherals we've talked about can always be added later on, providing your system's expandable. Another major consideration in purchasing a computer is the availability of software. As a general rule, a computer that's new on the market will have far less software available than a unit that's been around for a while. Ah, but now what if my computer breaks down? Is maintenance a big problem? Happily, Jane, because computers have few moving parts, maintenance is really not much of a consideration. Ah, good. When your machine does need servicing, the place to contact is the service facility nearest you that's authorized by the manufacturer to repair your computer. Well, Steve, we've covered about everything, I guess. Yep, and it wasn't all that mysterious or complicated after all. No, no, as a matter of fact, for the little bit of getting used to that's involved, when I think of all the advantages, the educational values, the intellectual stimulation, the almost unlimited practical daily applications, and all the fun and games, you know, I can hardly wait to get my hands on one. And so you will, Jane, because that takes us into the next part. So whether you're the proud new owner of a computer or want to follow along by simulation, let's have a go at the business of putting the computer to work. Let's. Yes, you heard me, Nardwar, the human serviette, turning over the record. Yes, turning over the home computer records. And you heard right there everything you always wanted to know about home computers when 256K ran supreme. So you heard side one of everything you always wanted to know about computers. An easy-to-follow introduction for families and small businesses. Includes a 16-page illustrated instruction booklet featuring Computer Self Quiz, Practice Computer Keyboard with Sample Programs, and Complete Computer Terminology. In fact, uh, narrated by Steve Allen and Jane Meadows. We're going to hear... Ah, that's why I said, ah, because we're going to hear a tiny little bit more to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. And that's why you heard me queuing up the record right there. And before that, we heard a little bit, in case you're joining us late, of Bob Hope and the Enoch Light Orchestra. 
So right now, here is part two of everything you always wanted to know about home computers on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Okay, you've agreed to join the new world. You're ready to use a computer. Now, if you don't have one just now, follow along checking the illustrations in the instruction booklet, because the booklet you see illustrates a typical computer keyboard so that you can simulate the action. To get started, turn the computer and the TV display on. A message appears. Yes, see figure four. Stating the company name, the computer language being used, in this case basic, and the number of bytes of RAM, random access memory, available. Most computers also display the word ready to show that the computer is indeed ready to accept information. An arrowhead called the prompt indicates the beginning of a new line or that it's the user's turn to type in something. An underline or flashing square called a cursor shows where the next character will be typed. And if you're new to computers... And most of us are. Yes, you'll probably start with tape or disk software. With so much software available, your only problem will be in choosing from the many programs on the market. So let's now imagine that you've selected a program for a computerized date book on cassette. First, put the tape into the cassette player and rewind it. Now type in the word load and press the enter or return key. The computer responds with an instruction to press the play button on the cassette player. After you do so, the computer again responds with OK, followed by a message that it is searching the tape for the program. When the computer has found the program, it will display the word found. The computer will then load the program into the memory, displaying the word loading. When the program has been loaded, a ready will appear. See figure five. Now to run the program. You type in the word run and press the enter or return key. The program is sent from the memory section of the computer to the processing section. On the TV screen will appear a listing of the options you have in using this program. This listing is called a menu. See figure six. Mm -hmm. And you make a choice just as you do with a restaurant menu. Now, suppose we want to prepare a computerized date book. And you know, Steve, my very favorite use for the computer is the date book program. I know, yes. Because it creates a file of names and dates to remind you of birthdays, anniversaries, and all those other special events, you know, that we never can remember. Yes. You can add as many of these as you wish, and then just, you know, file them to be saved on tape, load it into the computer when desired, and the dates recalled and displayed by any category, just like that. The menu displayed allows for any of these options by simply entering the corresponding number of your choice. To begin using this program, you must first enter the information. To do this, press key number one, and you'll see on the screen questions asking for the dates, names, and occasions to be filed. See figure seven. After all your dates have been entered, we must request that the menu reappear by pressing the exclamation point key. Then. To save the file on tape for future use, press key number three. At some future time, 
when we want to be reminded of forthcoming dates and events, we load the program and choose option number four. This will give us a screen display or printed copy of names or dates by responding to the questions displayed. For example, enter the month January and the dates from the 1st to the 31st. The screen will then display the names and dates of all the occasions listed in the file for January. Even a reminder to have your car inspected. Yes, that could be filed and called for. Right. See figure eight. Or, as an alternative option, you could ask for a listing of all the anniversaries in the file, or you could simply enter a name and a birthday will appear. These are just a few of the many ways of using this program. Programs similar to this one can be used for a household inventory of books or phonograph records, with the ability to cross-reference by category, title, author, or composer. Another popular type of program is the household budget. Now, when this is loaded and run, the screen displays questions about your budget. See figure nine. You're asked to enter your income for the month, followed by variable expenses such as, well, the amount spent for food, utilities, medical expenses, clothing, and charge accounts. I'd like to know more about your charge accounts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, your fixed expenses are then entered and made a permanent part of the program. The computer will then calculate any excess money that can go into savings or report upcoming deficits. Mm -hmm. And this type of software is flexible and useful for any household. Yeah, that's a great idea, Jane. When do we start it at our house? We'll discuss it later. <laughs> All commercial software is designed for use by anyone. That is, the programs are easy to follow, the instructions are clear, and if you make an invalid entry, a mistake, you're given another chance to respond with a gentle reminder. After using commercial programs, you're now ready to make the big plunge into your own programming. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to modify these programs for your own special needs? Or, better still, to write your own original programs? Well, keep listening. It is possible. And believe it or not, it really isn't very difficult to do. Stripped of all the gobbledygook, when you get right down to it, a computer is simply nothing more than enormous numbers of switches that are contained in the chips. And like electric light switches, they can only be turned on or off. And a number system is used to operate these switches. Communication in the system is known as using the machine language. In the early days, when computers were young, this was the only way to talk with the computer. And it's still used today by many programmers because it is fast. A good example of machine language in action is the arcade-type games that are so popular. Mm, and you know how fast they are. Yes. However, there's more to it than that, Steve. Because machine language is quite difficult, and certainly not for everyone, machine language translators were developed. These use English words which are then translated by the computer into the machine language which operates the switches. This translation process slows down computer processing a wee bit. However, when we speak of functioning times in millionths of a second, this will not be a problem for most uses. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Jane. These fractions of a second do add up to uh, whatever after a while. <laughs> but don't worry, folks. One of the earliest translating languages is called Fortran, F-O-R-T-R-A-N, a language in major use in the fields of science and engineering. Mm -hmm. For business applications, a language called COBOL is used. A relatively new language called Logo 
is being used to teach young children the concepts of computer programming through graphic techniques. In the early 1970s, a language was developed, I think this is fascinating, which is both easy to learn and useful over a wide range of applications. And that language called BASIC right. is the communication system that's built into all personal computers. Uh -huh. And BASIC is considered to be the universal computer language. Mm -hmm. The nice thing about BASIC is that it uses common English words. Some of these words might have the same meanings in computer usage as they do in spoken language, but others will have an entirely different connotation. Beginners in programming frequently confuse the two languages, which thoroughly confuses the computer, resulting in errors. To illustrate the use of this language, let's try a basic word, print. It's used for several important purposes. Okay, turn on the computer, would you, Jane? All right. There we go, the word ready has flashed on. So I'll type in the word print. Then I'll type in quotation marks and a word like uh, hello and more quotation marks. And now I must press the enter key, otherwise nothing will happen. This key has two functions. It transmits the information displayed from the computer's memory section to the processor and also returns the cursor to the beginning of a new line. Now remember, the enter key must be pushed in in order to put any information into the computer. If you try this procedure on a computer or simulate it using the keyboard in the booklet, 